Hello and welcome to the BVC Podcast. Here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church, we want you to know that we are a group of ordinary people that serve an extraordinary God. Our mission is to honor God and advance His kingdom by building disciples who will give their lives to changing the world. Whether you are local or joining us from a distance, we want to thank you for being a part of our family. To learn more about us, you can visit thebvchurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's message. of us are on this journey, that, Lord, that we just be overwhelmed by your love today. Come and rest upon us and speak what only you want me to speak today. In the name of Jesus, amen. So it was 17 years ago when Dennis and myself and our three young children, we loaded up two moving vans with everything that belonged to us, and we moved here from Washington, D.C. We came here to start a church. And I must say, when the organization that sent us here, when they first asked us, hey, you want to go to the Midwest and start a church? I was like, no way. Never been to the Midwest, don't know anything about the Midwest, does not sound like something that I want to do. I've never done this before, and it's a place I've never been. And I actually, I talked to a friend of mine. I was like, hey, God's calling us to Indiana. Can you tell me something about Indiana? She's like, well, there's lots of corn there. (laughs) So we came here and discovered there's lots of corn, and Indiana's known for corn. We prayed for over a year. I'm like, Lord, you know, my flesh is like, I don't want to do this. And yet God just kept speaking to our hearts. And we did not make that decision to come here until we both agreed yes. God is calling us here. And the people around us, we asked them to pray for us, and they had words of confirmation too, saying, yes, this is something that you're to do. Two years before we moved here, Dennis and I were going through a tough time, and we wanted to take some time just to hear from God. And we read about the Israelites in the Old Testament, and we saw how the Israelites journeyed in the wilderness for 40 years. It should have only taken them 11 days. Right there, that catches your attention. You go, there is something that we can learn from their lives. What's some lessons that you have for us, God, from the Israelites in their wilderness journey? Last week, Dennis started a sermon series called Wilderness Training, Lessons Learned from the Exodus Journey. And one of the lessons that we wrote down 20 years ago was how to have a heart of gratitude instead of a heart of grumbling. As we read the story of the Exodus and the Israelites, 
I would say that they were known for their grumbling. It just seemed like every time things were difficult, what did they do? They grumbled. Every time there was a challenge, what did they do? They grumbled. God spoke to us and said, you need to have a heart of gratitude, not one of grumbling. You are trusting me and knowing how much I love you and I have a plan for you. So our second lesson today is to survive in the wilderness. You have to avoid the temptation to grumble and embrace a heart of gratitude. For some of us today, we may be in the wilderness right now. And a wilderness season is challenging because you're leaving behind everything that's familiar. It's a time that can be lonely. Those people that are normally around, they're not there for you. It's challenging because you enter in the wilderness and you go, Lord, how long am I supposed to be in this wilderness? How long am I going to be here? For some people, wilderness can be a week or a month. And for some people, it can be years. And you wonder, when is this going to ever end? Sometimes you're in the wilderness because of your own choices. Sometimes it's the choices of others. And sometimes it's just life circumstances. You found yourself on this wilderness journey. I must say this message of having gratitude, it seems so simple. And yet God is showing me how powerful a heart of gratitude is. It can change our hearts. It can change the path of our life. It can change the people around us. And ultimately, it can change the world that we live in. God convicts me. He's like, how can you complain in one sentence and the next sentence? You have gratitude and you want me to hear your prayers? And yet he says, I want you to come to me with thanksgiving, knowing I have a good plan. There's a scripture that says, enter his courts with thanksgiving. He says, enter my courts with thanksgiving, not with grumbling. Enter my courts with thanksgiving, with gratitude. I want to make a difference in my life, in my children's life, and the world around me. Do what you need to do, Lord, in my life so that I can make a difference in this world that you've called me to. We're going to read a story in Exodus and it's one of my favorite stories when we read it 20 years ago. It just really spoke to me, and it's always impacted my life, where I just constantly remember this story. It means a lot to me. And so up to this point, we have the Israelites. They were held in captivity in Egypt for 430 years. Can you imagine that? For 430 years, they were in captivity. And God miraculously set them free. And then they're free, and they're walking along, and they come to the Red Sea. And they see they can't go any further. They have the Red Sea in front of them. And behind them is the Israelite army. Because at this point, Pharaoh's changed his mind. And he went, I am coming after the Israelites. I want to put them back in captivity. So they're coming after them. The Red Sea's in front of them. And God miraculously parts the water of the Red Sea, and they walk through in dry land. 
I think out of all the miracles in the Old Testament, I would love to see that. I just think that would just be awesome. They get to the other side of the Red Sea, and Miriam, the prophetess, leads the Israelites in a song of celebration and praise to the Lord because they just saw one of the most miraculous things ever happen and that they were delivered. So here they are, this mountaintop experience. Wow, I cannot imagine how amazing that was. And then they start on the wilderness journey. And they start out in three days into this journey. Three days. And they're starting to get tired and thirsty already. And they see this water. And they go and they drink the water. And then they find out you can't drink this water. It's bitter. What are we going to do? We're going to read from Exodus 15, 24 to 27. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fruit. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped there near the water. When I read the story of the Exodus, I can't help but see how much God loved the Israelites. They were his chosen people. Just think that. God loved them so much. He sent them free from captivity. He parted the Red Seas. He turned the bitter waters sweet. Can you imagine that? And then he led them to Elam, a place of rest and refreshment. And over and over again, we see God just pouring out his love on the Israelites. And what did God want? He just wanted a relationship with them. That's it. He wanted a relationship. He just wanted the Israelites to have a heart of gratitude and trust and know how much he loved them. He had a promised land in store for them, but he knew there were some lessons they needed to learn. They were not ready to enter the promised land. There were some lessons that they needed to learn. When we're in a wilderness season, We need to ask God and say, what is it that you want to teach me in this season that I can't learn in any other season? This is a special season. The wilderness season is between you and God, where he is pouring his love out. He just wants that relationship with you. Last week, Dennis talked about embracing the journey. We need to embrace the journey instead of holding our breath and resisting it. Instead of grumbling in this season, God, what do you want me to know about your love for me? How much do you love me? We often think that grumbling is harmless. Don't we all grumble? We grumble about the weather. We grumble about the traffic. We grumble about work. We grumble because it's Monday morning. We grumble about the government. We grumble about the town of Brownsburg. We grumble about Kroger. We grumble about so many different things. And yet, I was convicted 
when I read this and I go, God, these Israelites, they wandered for 40 years. Why? And the theme I see over and over again is they grumbled. They grumbled. And they grumbled. And they grumbled some more. They never got it. They just kept grumbling. Do we ever see them have that heart of gratitude? They just grumbled. It's like, you know what, Moses? We're going to die in this desert. And they grumbled so much that God was like, that's what's going to happen. They were there for 40 years. And all of those that grumbled, they died in the desert. I don't want to be like that. I want to get to the promised land. Don't you want to get to the promised land? We want to get to the promised land. We need to learn this lesson. It seems so simple, and yet it is so powerful. Lord, show me how to have a heart of gratitude. So our big idea today is grumbling may seem harmless, but always has toxic effects. It has toxic effects to our lives, to our heart, to the people around us. Lord, show us in the scripture how this is toxic. What can we learn through the scripture we read today? First is, grumbling stops us from remembering the good things that God has done. Just think the Israelites, wasn't it three days ago, just three days, that they experienced that incredible mountaintop experience? They experienced the parting of the Red Sea and they walked through on dry land. Wouldn't you say that would last longer than three days in your life? Or you'd think, man, I could go for a long time on that miracle. They forgot after three days, they got thirsty and tired. And they forgot already and started grumbling. If they had remembered, they would have said, God, you're amazing. You looked after us back then. You looked after us three days ago. You're going to look after us into the future. I trust you. I am grateful for you. God constantly is telling us to remember. When you read the scriptures, remember. Do not forget. Remember. Remember. Don't we forget so easily? I must say, I forget what I did yesterday. We need to be intentional in remembering. Even David, Psalm 77, 11, he says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. We need to be intentional. What are some ways that you can remember the good things that God has done in your life? Some ways that we can remember is by journaling. Have a journal piece of paper in your body. Write it down. Write down. God, thank you for doing this. When he's answered your prayer, write it down. It just helps us remember. And then when you're going through a tough season, you got that wilderness season and you you can't remember so well. Pull the journals out. Lord, I'm going to remember. Keep prophetic words that people have prayed and spoken over you. People will say, God has spoken this. I pull those out and I go, God, you promised this. You declared this over my life. Even though I'm not feeling it right now, you said this. This person prayed this over my life and I take that and I say yes and amen to that. I read the Bible and I just read it and there's so much richness there. So many things that he has done and so many things that he has said over my life. And I can just take those and pray over those. Remind me, Lord, how good you are. Remind me you are all-powerful. 
I listen to the testimony of other people. And I listen to them and I go, God, if you did that in their life, you can do that in mine. I'm so grateful you did that in their life. And I know you can do that in my life too. And when God's done an amazing work in my life, when he's answered prayer, I testify. I tell other people about that. I share my testimony with others. It encourages them, and it just increases my faith that he is so good. On January 1st of this year, I sat down and I wrote a list of all the things that I was thankful for that God did in 2023. And it just increased my faith as I was writing down each one. It just got, the list got longer. God, you're good because, oh yeah, I remember you did this last year. And then this. And the list got longer and longer. It's like, this is amazing, God. Just remembering. What did he do last year? And then I like to have a word for the year. So I was like, Lord, what word would you have for me for 2024? And he said, the scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. And I was like, okay, well, I was kind of expecting something more super spiritual or something. Give thanks in all circumstances. I've known that verse for a long time, but okay. So I wrote that down on a little sticky note, and I put that in my Bible just for me to just reflect on. Lord, you want to show me a deeper revelation of what that means. Give thanks in all circumstances. And then it was a couple weeks after that, and he just had me add on here. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is your spiritual reckoning. That a heart of gratitude is my weapon in situations. When things aren't going the way it should, what do I do? Do I grumble? Or do I give thanks? I almost see them like little spiritual mini-bombs where you're just like throwing it into whatever situation, even as Dennis was praying with the election. Do we grumble about that? Or are we praying? God's called us as a church to pray, to make a difference in this culture, in this world, in our country. And so you need to be praying and thanking God for what he's done. Thanking God for those people that he's put in places. And thanking God for our workplace instead of grumbling. Thanking He's just showing me over and over, this is your spiritual weapon. Give thanks in all circumstances. And that can be confusing. So you think, in all circumstances? What about the bad things? And yet God's not saying, give thanks for the bad things. It's not because of God that anything bad's happened in your life. He's a good God, and he only brings good things in your life. That's the enemy. We can thank God because he is with us. He is all-powerful. He has helped us before. He is going to help us again. He will never leave nor forsake us. Give thanks in all circumstances. And as we give thanks to the Lord, it just disarms the enemy and all of his plans for evil. And God will work good things because of your heart of gratitude and your heart of prayer. Secondly, grumbling stops us from relying on God. When you're in the wilderness, everything is stripped away. It's you and God. Just you and God. This is our opportunity to rely upon the Lord. 
You're not in a place of abundance. It's not a place of busyness. It's often quiet. The Israelites, they had walked for three days. They found this water. They drank it, and it was bitter. When you're in the wilderness, what do you do when that happens? You know, you're thirsty, you're tired. You come to this situation, and all of a sudden it turns bitter. So we came here. We started the church. And there was a couple that started coming to the church. We got to be good friends with them. We would go out for dinner. We got together in each other's homes and play games and do fun stuff. And then after a while, for no apparent reason, they stopped coming to the church. And then they broke off their friendship with us. I was like, God, what's up with this? We prayed for over a year about coming here to Brownsburg, Indiana. We come here, and we're working our butts off, and I expected things to be different. I didn't think it was going to be this hard. How long am I supposed to be here? What did you call me to this for? It was at this point that I realized that, you know, the wilderness is between our expectations. This is what I expect. These are my thoughts and my ways. And over here, this is reality. This is what I'm experiencing. I'm in the wilderness between these. And that is where you get to make a choice. I get to make a choice. I choose grumbling. God, this isn't what I expected. I want this to look different. Or do I choose a heart of gratitude? God, you called me to this God, you are all-powerful and all-knowing. I will trust you. So he just says, will you trust me? Will you trust me when you're in the wilderness and you taste bitter water? Will you trust me when that relationship goes bad? Will you trust me? And when I went to God, I was like, Lord, this really hurt. I don't know why this hurt. I think God was just like wanting to pull something out of me. He's just wanting to give me a deeper revelation. And I was like, Lord, you know, this couple we were good friends with, they walked away. I expected different. What's going on? And God showed me. He said, you were relying on them. You were relying and trusting in them. I called you to start this church. I'm the one that called you to it. I'm the one that's going to build this church. I'm the one that's going to do this work. Nobody else. I am going to do it. Rely upon me. Trust me. Trust me. The Israelites were wandering along, and all they had was some bitter water and a useless piece of wood. And isn't this the wilderness? There's not much around. And that might be all that you have. Is this bitter water in a useless piece of wood. That is it. But God says give thanks in all circumstances. To have a heart of gratitude for whatever is around us. To be grateful that he can turn things for good. He can turn that which is bitter and turn it to good. He can use 
something that seems useless, and he can use it for his good. And that's what he did. He went and he took that bitter water and that useless piece of wood, and he made it into something sweet. So we can pray and thank the Lord for these bitter things in our lives. And go, God, you work all things for good. One of our theme verses here is Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him according to his purpose. rumbling. It stops us from realizing the perfect provision for us. Elam was the perfect provision. It was the perfect provision. Do you know that Elam was only one day after those bitter waters of Marah? One day. Just one more day. They had to hold on to him. One more day. And the answer was right around the corner. So we had been here for 13 years. We would met in the schools. We met in the old St. Malachi building, which is now plowed under. We were meeting in the fire territory building. And we were at the end. I felt like we were up against the Red Sea. It was like, God, we're at the end. There is no place to go in Brownsburg. I'm about ready to pull my suitcases out and go, well, God, it was a good run, but this is it. I think we're at the end. There's nowhere else for us to go. You know, we're in the place of impossibility now. Impossible. And Monday morning, the phone rang. The pastor of this church called us and said, God spoke to me clear as day. And he said, you're retiring, and give the church building and everything in it to Dennis and Gwen and the church. Wow. We, we pinched ourselves for a long time. You know, when you see a miracle like that, and you're like, is this for real? Really? Wow. For the Israelites, they came to Elam. Saw 12 springs and 70 palm trees in the middle of a desert. Just imagine what that even looks like. But you know what's really neat? Is that there was 12 and 70. And when we read the scripture, you see that those are God's numbers. They're the numbers of provision. They're the God's perfect numbers. We see it over and over again with 12. There was the 12 sons of Israel. There were the 12 disciples. 70 elders. We just see 12 and 70. We see the handprint of God on that provision. And when it's a provision of God, you just see his handprint. Gratitude allows us to see these things. We can see the hand of God. We realize this is not a coincidence. This is God. This is God's hand where it's grumbling causes us to be blind, where we can't see. How often do we grumble about those things that we don't have, and yet we're totally blind to the things that we do have. We don't see the good things of God because we grumble. 
another one of our favorite scriptures here at Brownsburg is Isaiah 43:19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Amen. And I must say, when we come in here and we are worshiping God, this is Elam. This is Elam. We get to come together and fellowship here. We experience the goodness of God here. We see him moving. This is God's provision. And do you know that Elam was the foreshadow of the promised land and of heaven? When we come together to worship, it is a foreshadow of heaven. It is a glorious thing. I'd like to call the worship team and the prayer team forward, and I'm going to read a scripture. And this scripture is a sentence out of the prayer of celebration that Miriam the prophetess led the Israelites on after the parting of the Red Sea, when they were on that mountaintop experience and they were praising God. Exodus 15:11 says, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord, glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders? So our lesson number two is to survive in the wilderness. We have to avoid the temptation to humble and embrace a heart of gratitude. So for all of us today, maybe there's an area in our life where we're grumbling. And God's calling us to a heart of gratitude. That he's saying that I can use those things in your life that seem like they're useless, that you wish had never happened. And God's saying, I can use those things. I can use those bitter things in your life. I can turn those for good. And he wants to do that today. And for some of us, we're in that wilderness season. And we're wondering, how long, God? How long do I have to keep going? And I was thinking about a car. It's driving along and it's on empty. And so some of us today, we, we might feel like we're on empty. And we just need to be filled up today. Because in the wilderness season, there's not a whole lot of places to fill up. And yet, when you come here on Sunday morning, this is an opportunity to get filled up. That we want to pray for you. That you be encouraged and filled up. Just take this time and just reflect. You know, I was just praying before and just said that revelation that God would speak to our hearts. It's not our minds, it's our hearts that he wants to speak to today. That we want to be led by our hearts. What is it that he wants to speak to your heart? The Holy Spirit has something he wants to speak to you. Ask him, what is it that you wanted me to learn from today? What is it that you want me to take from today and leave here holding on to that and knowing that there's treasures in those dark places, as it says in Isaiah. There's treasures in those dark places. He has a treasure for you today to hold on to and just to meditate on. 